Knock at the Cabin is the latest film from M. Night Shyamalan. It features a family who are confronted by a group of home invaders with a very peculiar goal. We were more positive than most on old, so we're going into Cabin with an open mind. Welcome everyone to Screams After Midnight, it is the Octoberthon, I am Peter and I'm joined as always by Tim. <laughs> the, uh, the gentle giant, as it were. I'm pretty sure I'm taller than you, but aye, alright. <laughs> Physically, yes. Oh, okay, just spiritually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> alright. Spiritually, I tower over you. This is a horror movie I'm a little bit of a Batista. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, sure. Uh, yes, you walk alone, yes, all that stuff. Uh, yes, welcome everyone, this is a horror movie podcast, uh, where we get together, we talk about horror movie. It is October, of course, we do as many episodes as we can in October, and because Tim was on paternity leave for a lot of the year, we are using this as a chance to go back and check out a lot of the movies that came out that we didn't get a chance to do uh, in that time. And this episode is one such movie, this is M. Night Shyamalan's film, Knock at the Cabin. Thank you for demonstrating what a knock was. <laughs> so for the audience, Tim. You're welcome. Oh, dear. Uh, so this is... Not to be confused with don't knock twice or yes. knock knock. <laughs> I don't remember a knock knock. I mean, I remember not liking don't that knock twice. The, uh, e knock knock was the Eli Roth movie with Keanu Reeves. Oh, we never did that. I've not seen that. I've seen it, unfortunately. <laughs> well, maybe one day we'll have to do it, but... Uh... Man, I, I, Eli Roth month is coming, unfortunately. Oh, no, don't say such horrible <laughs> things. I mean, we're going to have to do Thanksgiving, obviously. Uh, oh, yeah, he's got that one coming out. <laughs> yeah, the depending if that... I don't know if that's coming out in the UK, so I don't know if we can actually do it in November, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. What? Is Thanksgiving not a big thing in the UK? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. <laughs> Uh, honestly, Tim, it blew my mind when I found out Canada had a Thanksgiving. Yeah, what's why the deal with that? <laughs> yeah, why, why, the, why the Canadians have Thanksgiving? And it's not on the same day, it's like a different day. It's, it's close to the yeah. other one, but it's not quite... I think it's October, I want to say, <clears throat> but whatever. That sounds about right, yeah. Yeah. Um, anywho, uh, so same with Canada Day, day, which is like two days before July 4th <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah, they always uh, want to just one-up us, like, about, oh yeah, we'll do your holiday, but uh, just a little bit before. Yeah, just just a little bit sooner. Uh, but yeah. yes, so... Their Christmas, I think, is in uh, October as well. Ha <laughs> uh, But, <laughs> anyway, so this, this movie, Knock at the Cabin, is based on a book, which I actually didn't know. The only reason why I knew this is... Because you don't read... <laughs> The only reason why I knew this was based on a book <laughs> is because five minutes before our time to record, like we, we were starting in five minutes, and Tim, out of nowhere, messages me and says, hey, I don't know if you, if you know this is based on a book, and I hear there's a lot of differences. Maybe you should do some research before we record so we could talk about them. And all I could think was, but if you know about these differences, why aren't you just going to tell us about them? And then if you don't, then why are you telling me to go research it? <laughs> I mean, I, I read the book. I, I know okay. like the, the big differences. So, I mean, I, I can bring them up, but I thought it'd be a, a better discussion if we were both informed. I mean, I, I, if we got to fall back on the, the teacher-student status we normally have, <laughs> we can, but... 
I mean, I, I could have reacted to them live. I, I actually did skim a book synopsis uh, just before we started, mm-hmm. just so that I'd, I'd be aware. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. that's all end of spoilers. We'll do that at the end of the spoiler section. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, not yeah. something we'll talk about till then. Mm-hmm. But yes. True. So, yes, knock at the cabin. Uh, I didn't know a whole lot going in. Uh, the trailer... <laughs> Are you going to do that every time I say the title? <laughs> Um, the trailer was, uh, you know, I wouldn't say vague, but it, it intentionally did not reveal too much, right? Um, mm-hmm. So this came out in like March or April. I, I I didn't really hear too many people talk about it. It was kind of under the radar, but mm-hmm. I did hear a little bit of positivity. You know, some negativity, not much either way. So <laughs> I'm just like imagining you like, <laughs> like McDonald's or something like hiding <laughs> under like some table of teens as they talk about the movie with like your ear pressed up like listening like oh yeah they liked it interesting why wouldn't i just sit at the booth next to them why would it have to be under the table to hear them tim it'd be much hey, less suspicious than, than me but under the table next to a bunch of teenage legs i'll get put on a list tim uh, one can only hope oh Jesus. Uh, so yeah, this, this movie is about uh, a family who are spending some vacation time at a cabin. Mm-hmm. Uh, a pair of dads, a gay couple, and their daughter. And four strangers come and, would you believe it, they knock on the door of the cabin. Nothing you'd like yeah. to do at that juncture, Tim? <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> oh, you're a sly one, you are, Timothy. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's the... <laughs> screw you! Screw you! <laughs> I can't swear in this one, it's a public episode, Tim. Don't, don't make me want to swear. <laughs> so, yeah. I always forget uh, this is a family show. <laughs> Yeah, for families of degenerates, and you know, if you if you if literally you belong as a family in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, then yes, that's the sort of families we're we're appealing to. I think. Otherwise, it's just solo individual weirdos. That's our people. Mm, yeah, Han Solo, <laughs> Star Wars story. That was the weirdest <laughs> reference you may have ever made on this show, and that is saying something. I literally just said the word solo, and you just <laughs> took it to Star Wars. Oh, this is... You can tell Tim's not recording mm. in a couple of weeks, because he's got this... this fire in him. <clears throat> yeah. Also, maybe heavily medicated. <laughs> Yeah, you said to me before we started, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm still recovering from being sick, so I might be a little <laughs> low energy. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is your low energy. What are you going to be like back at full power? <laughs> Good question. Oh, dear. So, yeah. Mm. Obviously, these four strangers, they appear like they could be intimidating. Uh, mm. it's, it's quite tense, as you expect. Uh, but they're there, basically, with a particular mission in mind. It's not just a stranger-style home invasion movie. It's something more direct and specific, and um, we'll get into all that in spoilers. Um, I mean, do I say what they're there to do? Like, you know, just broad strokes? Because I feel like that is a spoiler, even though it is kind of the premise. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough question. Um, I don't know. Uh, 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I really don't know. I'll just leave it. Yeah, I'll just leave I, it. I feel like it's yeah. It, it they're they're there to do something. <laughs> they're guess. there to do a, a thing that is redacted and cannot be spoken at this juncture mm-hmm. in the show. I hope you all mm-hmm. understand and appreciate that. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess mm-hmm. we'll just we'll get into it. I mean, what's funny is that you know it's only a couple of years ago that we mm-hmm. reviewed old, and we were both. Mm-hmm kind of positive on old it's, it wasn't yeah, without it was its, yeah it wasn't without its faults or or mm-hmm. you know something to critique but we we both kind of came out of it going you know what worse than all that was a film mm-hmm. it, you know it was a director trying to make a movie with interesting cinematography with mm-hmm. a, an intriguing story yeah there were some silly bits but you know we kind of left mm-hmm. the feeling that you know what i think i think i'd watch that again and maybe yeah. shyamalan still got it yeah so I guess the question is, Tim, is now that mm-hmm. you've watched Knock at the Cabin, mm-hmm. how do you feel about said cabin that is being knocked on? <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, I, I, I would say this movie's okay. I like it. Um, I don't love it. Um, the I, I think it starts off really well. Um, one thing is I'll say is, uh, I think there's a, a lot of good performances here, especially like Batista just really steals the whole movie. Um, it is, he's such a huge, massive man. And like, he is so like, you know, his body is just so intimidating and just like, you know, putting him kind of in this like, you know, weird setting as like this stranger you meet in like the, the middle of the woods is like so scary, but you know, he plays like this, like such a nice, uh, like gentle person that you know it makes it so uh off-putting and uh, i i thought he did a, a terrific job and then uh and everyone else I, you know i thought it was pretty good too um you know like uh rupert grint was like you know pretty good as yeah as being uh the asshole and then uh you know the uh, the little girl um you know not 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 always the easiest you know being a kid actor but i thought she did a pretty good job um so yeah that's good and i i like the probably about the first half of the movie or so i think um you know it has a good atmosphere like uh you know Shyamalan does a good job of kind of making it eerie and you know presenting this premise uh where it's hard to you know understand exactly you know maybe you know what what is real and what's not um and yeah i i dig that and then i think about halfway through or so um, it, it kind of takes some turns and it kind of loses me, like not to the point where I start hating the movie and I'm like, oh, like, screw this. I want to you know shut it off or whatever. But, you know, to a point where I'm like, oh, yeah, I see where they're going with this. I think I would have liked it better uh, if they would have done this. And uh, I think that'll be where it'll be interesting to kind of give them the differences between the book and the movie, because um, I like what the book does more than what they ended up doing in the movie. But um obviously we'll we'll save all that for spoilers uh yeah it's a uh, it, yeah it, it's it's kind of tough uh to you know talk about a lot of the plot stuff which i think is kind of interesting stuff you know um but it really isn't much you can talk about uh yeah we'll you know, get going to spoilers but yeah we'll get to all that yeah. in, a, in a bit uh we're just kind of doing general feelings here yeah. and, and whatnot but, yeah but overall i'd say i liked it I, I think it's worth a watch um i definitely think it could have been better though yeah i this movie sort of i was almost surprised it was based on a book because it mm-hmm. does feel very Shyamalan and like so yeah. he, he definitely picked something that fit his type of story um mm-hmm. but i do actually quite like this type of i mean obviously i like bottle stories which are all set in one location which this effectively mm-hmm. you know it's got a couple of flashbacks here or there but 
it's all effectively in one location and mm -hmm. i do really appreciate the type of movie where character a says this crazy thing is real or this crazy thing is happening and character b is like no that's ridiculous of course that's not a thing and then the movie's about either side trying to convince the other that they are right and mm. i actually do kind of like that premise and that's effectively what this movie becomes you know it's this 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 group of four people who believe something and then mm. our family who do not believe it and that's the you know that's the the, the back and forth uh of the film i mean essentially that's what this podcast is <laughs> trying to convince you that the boy is a top 10 movie <laughs> You'll never convince me of that. Uh, there's some jokes I want to make based on the plot of this, but I can't because it would, it would spoil everything. But, um, but I like I like the premise. Um, I thought it was well shot, as Shyamalan's films usually do. They usually look quite good. Mm -hmm. And I think that's no mistake or exception here. Yeah, I, I think that's something that kind of gets lost a lot in the um, uh, Shyamalan conversation because you know, uh, people, you know, focus on like a lot of maybe like you know the the twist or like you know sometimes if the movies have like you know crazy dialogue or bad acting or stuff they'll focus on that but no one really talks about like he's a good like he has a good eye you know like yeah, his no. cinematography is usually always on point and it's been that way since day one got to be back to the sixth sense that movie's exceptionally yeah. directed and it's just like for all the other things that he's faltered at at times in his career and he's had that rough patch where it was like mm -hmm. happening <laughs> after earth last airbender you know like and i've yeah. only seen one of those tragedies but um like oh annoyingly I've, we've got a show on patreon that i do with david where we do the worst movies of all time so no doubt some of those oh, are going to end up <laughs> popping in at some point but he's always had that visual eye and i, I think it's something mm. that i was hearing people talk about movies earlier today actually and it got me thinking about this a little bit is that i feel like and i'm not just saying this to shit on the marvel movies right but I do think <laughs> that there is kind of this thing where most of the MCU you better got not big. be saying a, an unkind word about my beloved Morbius. <laughs> I'm going to say a word about Morbius. <laughs> okay. I haven't, I, mean, I haven't seen it. I couldn't say anything <laughs> if I wanted to. Um, it's a horror movie. <laughs> we should do it. Oh, why? Why would you say such a thing, Tim? But movies, like... It's almost like whilst the Marvel movies were popular and that was all the most mm. successful stuff that was coming out every year, like, major mainstream movies kind of forgot to, like, like, all the other things that make movies mm. good. Like, people like the Marvel movies because of the characters, by and large, right? Mm -hmm. And occasionally yeah. maybe the stories are compelling and some of the better <laughs> ones. But mm -hmm. they've never, for the most part, looked like great films, right? They've never been sure. amazingly mm -hmm. well-directed or anything like that and i think that there's a few exceptions but overall yeah, yeah. I, I think like i i like you know i like james gunn a lot i think you know he does you know you know um but i, I feel like at least like guardians mm. and stuff like has like a little bit of a style to it and a personality uh, is maybe yeah. a word you'd say as well and i, I think mm. one thing that really stuck out because this conversation basically culminated in people talking about how all oh, this year between barbenheimer that new turtles movie <laughs> which is really good mm. uh mm -hmm. you know like a lot, there was a lot of movies came out this year that were successful instead of the ones that had been successful up until this year. That interesting connected yeah. with people, and I do think that it's not just that people have superhero fatigue; it's that people kind of want just you know 
good looking movies again or they want uh, really well written movies again or they want you know so on and so on and i realize some people mm-hmm. who are diehard marvel fans are going to be like but they are well written and look good and like <laughs> whatever like i'm not going to have the debate it, with you but if you like them it, that's totally fine but like <clears throat> i mean you can't stack them against like you know like really competent directors and not notice a difference between like the filmmaking absolutely absolutely um <clears throat> and when i watch something like knock at the cabin i you know I, it is directed it's got the i can sense the camera moving in a good mm-hmm. way where it's like oh it's staying on the static frame for a long time and that's mm-hmm. giving it a really cool atmosphere because i'm watching it all play out in this one wide shot mm-hmm. or it starts to you know frame a character kind of weirdly because they might be a little unhinged mm-hmm. or something you know um yeah you know there's a scene in this movie where the the four characters are talking to the family and whenever it cuts to rupert grint's character who's kind of like you know he, he's, he's the angry one he's got the temper he's mm-hmm. a bit more unhinged his framing of his head like there's so much empty space above his head and to like one side he's mm-hmm. only occupying this like small corner effectively of the frame and it's really like mm-hmm. off killer framing and the point of it is to say hey he's different from the rest of them like you know the camera's mm-hmm. telling you that is a visual cue and there's just so many little things in the movie like that uh, that I, I quite get into. So anyway, to, just to sort of sum up my feeling, I, I actually quite like the movie. I, I don't think it's perfect. Nice. Um, I mm-hmm. would say that the... I don't necessarily think it has a pivot halfway through like you do. I would say that mm-hmm. maybe the ending is perfectly fine. I, the ending did not bother me, but I will mm-hmm. say the ending wasn't as exciting or as like shocking to me as I was maybe expecting it would be. Is, does mm-hmm. that make sense? Like I was expecting more of like yeah. a punch, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh no, it just kind of it just kind of ended like, okay, this was a, a fine way to end it, but maybe yeah. that was wasn't quite the the final grand slam hit that I was maybe hoping it was going to have right at the end, but sure. yeah. So uh, I just made a baseball reference, everyone. Whoa! Be proud of me or not, I don't care, but acknowledge it. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, uh, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I agreed what you said as well. Uh, Batista is great in this movie. I think all the performances, like you say, are quite good. I think Batista sticks out. Because um, I think what's really important about him as a character is that right from the very first second, even though he could be very intimidating, and you understand why mm-hmm. that to the other characters he is intimidating, mm-hmm. from the very first time he says something, he may just be crazy, but I believe mm-hmm. he believes it. You oh, know? Absolutely. Like, yeah. you know, I believe mm-hmm. he thinks this is completely real. And I think that's good. So, yeah, and yeah. he's like, uh, you know, so intimidating that it's like, you know, you see a guy like that, and then you hear what he believes, and it's like, ah, crap, <laughs> like this is uh, not going to end well for me. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like he wanted to play the opposite character to Drax. It's like, you know, I've been playing the yeah. big sort of like the muscle meathead for too long. Now mm. I want to do a big sympathetic man. <laughs> <laughs> So, he, uh, so did did he used to be a wrestler? Was is he a wrestling guy? <laughs> yes. In fact, <laughs> uh, the, when you first brought him up in this review, I said he walked alone, and I said that because his theme music <laughs> had that as a lyric. Okay, he he's got to be one of like the better like wrestlers turned actors. Honestly, like, I think he's the best. I, I think I think by the time we've hit this, and he's had obviously the Guardians movies, and he was in he was in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. It was a small role, admittedly. <laughs> Uh, but he was in something else uh, between that and this that also I thought he was good in. I can't remember what it is now. Mm-hmm. But, like, between all that and the fact that 
you know, The Rock's obviously had a lot of movies, but The Rock's never had a great movie, really. You know, he's he's got a lot of, he, you know, okay to bad movies. Yeah. He also kind of seems to play the same character most of the time. At least that's what hmm. it seems like to me. Yeah. But I like, even, like the... Like, I'm, Batista I'm, seems like he has range, you know? Yeah, I'm literally sitting in IMDb. Why am I not just clicking on his name to see what else is popping up? <laughs> um... Oh, he was in Riddick. I mean, that was obviously probably the first thing I ever saw him in as a movie actor. Mm. So, no, no surprise I didn't remember. Uh, but, I mean... What else was he in? Oh, he was in Army of Thieves, which was not a... Or, or sorry, Army of the oh, Dead. Right. Which, yeah, you know, yeah. we didn't like. But, you know, he wasn't, the like, a negative yep. in that. You know, he oh, was... Yeah. <laughs> he was, Just he was good. Yeah. So... Yeah, he's been, he's been in, I mean, he's been in a lot of like directed video stuff as well. Don't get me wrong; it's not like he's got a a spotless record, mm-hmm. but it, it does kind of feel like he, like you say, he's got range, and it feels like he's, it feels like he's not as up himself as maybe <laughs> like some yeah. other wrestler turned actors are. <laughs> totally. Um. So yeah, I, I think that's that's fair. Uh, speaking of the cast, mm-hmm. um, one of the dads is played by Jonathan Groff, who is from Mindhunter, I, I think most people will know him from. Uh, he was Holden, I believe, was his character's name in that show. Mm. Uh, so that was nice to see him. Uh, Rupert Grint's the other famous face, obviously. Uh, most mm-hmm. people will know him from the Harry Potter movies. Um, so, yeah. Did not have his English accent in this. He was going full uh, <laughs> Midwest he's or a, whatever. Yeah, uh, he's a Boston guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think he said he's from Medford, but that's, I mean... Boston adjacent. It's Massachusetts. I mean, who, like, yeah. <laughs> is there anyone else in Massachusetts that anyone like brings up other than Boston? Uh, not really. <laughs> well, I guess Salem, but not for like sure. good reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how accurate the accent was, but I, I will say this. I never heard his real accent slipping through. Yeah. I like, I... <laughs> Like, it, it did kind of sound like he was playing it, like, a little intense, but, you know, it, it fits the character, so, that, yeah, I don't think yeah. there's, a, there's a problem with it. Yeah, he's high-strung. Um, I don't really mm. recognize anyone else, uh, you know, at a glance. No, no one else was sticking mm-hmm. out to me, someone I knew. Uh, obviously, it's entirely possible that I saw some people in everything, but, or everything yeah. and anything. But, yeah, so, hey-ho. Um, so, I like the guy that played, like, the infomercial announcer on the tv <laughs> he was good uh-huh uh tim's being coy he's bringing up the aim <laughs> like Shyamalan cameo that he always has mm. yeah he he's basically doing qvc shopping channel stuff uh mm. but it's just an air fryer like he's just he's just talking about an air fryer uh, oh actually to be fair i think they're doing a cooking show i think they're talking about like how like mm. how to do some recipes but i, I think yeah. i think he's trying to sell the air fryer ultimately <laughs> yes um, I was wondering how he'd get his cameo in this, but I guess that's one way of doing it. Because <laughs> he's on the TV. Uh, so, yeah. Very different movie if he played Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, Leonard's Batista's character, just in case anyone yeah. didn't get uh, the absurdity of what, what, what Tim just said. Uh, so, yeah, mm-hmm. Leonard is Batista and his like sort of group, he's one of the four that come to the cabin. Uh, we have Sabrina, who's uh, mm-hmm. played by Nikki Amuka Bird. Uh, we have Rupert Grint, who plays Redmond. And then Abby Quinn plays Adrian. So those are the, the four that come to the cabin. And then the family, <laughs> uh, 
Daddy Eric as Jonathan Groff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daddy Andrew is played by Ben Aldridge. And the little girl, their daughter, is uh, Wen, played by Kristen Kerr? Uh, I'm not sure how you pronounce her last name. C-U-I. Mm. How do you pronounce that? Um, Kui. Kui? I don't know. Kui, probably. That's what it's silly you were trying to do there. Kui, Kui, But no, so... Yeah, I wouldn't say there's any weak links in the cast, which is nice. Uh, but Batista definitely does uh, steal the, the show. I think. Um, I think it's partly because he is so physically like mm-hmm. imposing, but obviously has this very, you know, gentle demeanor, which makes him very different. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, we'll uh, we'll get into the spoilers then, because I think we are just going to have to talk about around things if we don't, and mm-hmm. we've we, we went through everything that we can. I think at this point. True. So, spoilers for Knock at the Cabin. <laughs> you have been warned. Um, do you know I didn't know where this was going to go right so mm-hmm. what actually that's a good question so going into this like did you have any inkling of what the premise was or not really anything? like I, I want to say a trailer I at least one of the trailers had the phrase we're here to save the world so that mm-hmm. like definitely had my mind racing but the one of the very first lines that said in this whole movie is the little girl when is catching grasshoppers and putting them in a jar and mm-hmm. it, she holds up the jar, and I don't know if it's the very first line, but if it's not, then it's very close to being the first line. She says, mm-hmm. don't worry, I'm not going to hurt you, I'm just going to study you for a while. And I thought this was, like, foreshadowing the shit out of the rest <laughs> of this movie. I thought, oh, this is only going to turn out to be some social experiment or something, because they're all yeah. trapped in the cabin. or Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. It, it wasn't. Um, I think, obviously, it is foreshadowing, but I think it's maybe going more mm-hmm. for a... Like, she's representing God in the moment and talking sure, about yeah. Earth. I don't know. Makes sense. Uh, although, actually, first thing I really like, and this put me in the mid term, is the Ooh. 1980s <laughs> Universal logo at the start. Oh, you're right, you're right. Yeah. And they've done this yeah. a couple times now. Obviously, they did it with Scott Pilgrim, but that was like 8-bit because mm-hmm. it was video game-esque. Um, but they've done it with at least one other movie in the last few mm-hmm. years. It may have even been old, for all I, I can remember, but... Um, mm-hmm. I always like it. I, I love the idea of like a director being able to say, hey, I'm not going to use the current, you know, Fox logo or <laughs> Universal or Warner Bros. I want to use mm-hmm. the one from this decade. I like that. Hell yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good on you. It was an old school, you know, style, like small scope movie. So I, I kind of fit the, mm-hmm. the vibe. Uh, but yeah, Batista like comes walking out the forest and sits there and, and talks to her. And he's very natural and good at talking to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it actually isn't a surprise later on when it turns out he's actually a school teacher and he talks to kids yeah. our age all mm-hmm. the time I'm like you know what that actually explains how natural he was able to like sit down and talk to her uh, mm-hmm. and obviously it, it, it has maybe a threatening undertone but like I was saying earlier as soon as he says things to her like I'm like I don't know I believe that he doesn't actually want to harm her like something about yeah. like this performance is telling me he's uncomfortable about doing whatever he's doing but it's leading to something bad overall, regardless. Yeah, and, like, also, you know, he says, like, you know, we're going to come to your cabin and you have to, like, let us in. He's not being forceful. Like, you know, he he could easily, like, reach out and grab her or, you know, like, say, hey, we're going to storm your home or whatever. But it's, like, everything is very casual. Like, you know, like, these are villains that, like, walk up, you know, to your house. They're not, like, you know, lurking and, like, breaking in and stuff. Like, so that's, uh, like, if anything, it makes it kind of, like, eerier and more creepy yeah yeah 
Um, and the, the key information that comes out here is that, you know, she, uh, when, like, mentions one of her dads by name, like, calls him Eric, mm-hmm. and he's like, you call your dad by his first name? And she's like, well, yeah, I have to. I've got two. <laughs> so I have to, like, distinguish yeah. between them. Uh, and he's like, oh, interesting. Like, that's clearly something he didn't know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah. at this point, we don't really have any reason to believe he knows anything about them. But obviously, as we find out soon, like, they did know a lot, but they didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. and uh, and and it makes for like, you know, if people are like, oh, like wondering, like, is there like a specific reason why yeah it has to be like a you know like a homosexual couple or whatever? Like, it helps fuel the kind of ambiguity between you know their plans like later on because it kind of presents this yeah you know other reason for why you know they might be there might be intimidating you know versus like yeah you wouldn't have that extra layer if it was just like you know. A, heterosexual couple or something yeah well one of the big things about the movie is that the two dads you know eric and andrew are very different people right they're different characters Mm -hmm. and eric is this sort of this guy that worries we see it in the flashbacks we see it in how he responds to things where he you know he's the one if if they're going to convince anyone of what they're there to do which we'll get to in a second i realize we're still not talking about that directly (laughs) uh and then andrew is the one who clearly it's got more of a temper and like has more of a fire to like fight back against things and is determined mm-hmm. to like not accept anything. And he's, he brings up very quickly, as soon as they've got them tied up, like quite early in the movie, he says, oh, now you have the queers tied up and insinuates mm-hmm. that they're attacking them. This is like a hate crime. And yeah. they all are like, no, no, wait, wait we, we did not know you were gay. <laughs> like, we, we, like we're, we've got reasons to do this, but it's not because of that. Like, oh, please don't cancel us. <laughs> <laughs> but well, yeah, but it kind of fuels this idea that Andrew, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like in the debate of like, is this thing real that they're talking about or not? Part of like mm-hmm. his argument is that, well, they're probably doing this because they're homophobic. And that's part of the reason why they're all part of a hate group. You know, yeah. and the idea that they found each other on a message board and that they're in an echo chamber, all these ideas kind of come up mm-hmm. and it's presenting this, you know, backwards and forwards thing. Um, so I think that, that the movie like opening with like that surprising realization, oh, it's two dads instead of just, a mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a more traditional nuclear family. Um, yeah. Immediately it's sort of like, okay, this is different then. But that then, because one of my things, as soon as they come in and say what they're there for, my the very first thing I said in my head was, okay, but why them? Why is it this this family? And, yeah. you know, the movie obviously pokes at that question a little bit as it goes on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we should probably tell everyone what the <laughs> the thing is, right? So, uh, yeah. they have to, like, they ask nicely to come in repeatedly. Uh, obviously, they don't let them in. They, they say they're going to call mm-hmm. the police, but they can't because the phone line's been cut. Uh, the cell phones don't get a signal because they're out in the middle of nowhere. All these things. Um and then, and i like the way uh, a lot of this is shot because it's like pretty much like shot from inside like you hear the knocking and their voices mm. but it's all from like the other side of the door like um yeah i feel like maybe a less confident filmmaker or something like w- might be cutting back and forth or, or whatever but i like that you know Shyamalan knows like oh no like you don't have to see them it's like much scarier to know people are outside and then to hear these voices than um that's, 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 uh, that was well done. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, all, it's always from the perspective of the people inside, mm-hmm. you know? Specifically mm-hmm. uh, the dads, because obviously we start off with the little girl meeting one of them, but once she mm-hmm. goes and tells their dads, and they're like, wait, what are you talking about? Some guy said he's coming to tell us that we're saving the world. <laughs> what? Are we? And they don't really take it seriously. They're kind of confused. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Batista walks up to the door, 
and they look out the window and they're like, wait, there's a, there's a huge guy out there. Like, he's huge. Mm. Um, but other than that, all you see is like, you know, the, the odd body going past the window. Or you see, you know, but it's always from the yeah. perspective of like what they would see inside. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought you had something else. Okay. Uh, oh, sorry. So, <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, I, I forget if we see it right away or if it's a little bit later, but like they all have these gnarly weapons oh, too. Which are yeah, what cool. is it with these? What, like, what, <laughs> like, I get why they're there to do what they're doing, but what, like, what part of all this, like, inspired them to make these weird like hybrid <laughs> weapons like batista comes in yeah. and he's got what's effectively an axe with a pitchfork like taped to it <laughs> and i'm like this like these look barbaric these things you're carrying <laughs> also it's like yeah uh i mean it's already hard enough to convince someone to let you in when <laughs> you're just a stranger but like you're also like all holding like these crazy weapons <laughs> yeah and they set up a literal Chekhov's gun here uh because Oh, we yeah, find yeah. out there's a gun and a safe in the back of their car. So we know that's mm. out there for potential mm. shenanigans at some point. <laughs> shenanigans. Shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So the reason why they're there, one, once they actually have them sort of tied up and like pinned down, right? there's a bit of a fight and a struggle. Mm. Uh, the only notable thing there really is that Eric gets concussed. He gets... Mm-hmm. He, he gets swiped and he, he lands his head on the ground and he's uh so he, he's you know he's, he's a bit blurry and he's not all, quite all there for a little bit as he's healing mm-hmm. from that but they explain what they're there for and this is this is I mean, i'm not saying the exact phrasing but the effective thing they say to them is we're here to save the world we have all been receiving mm-hmm. visions that we have to come here and convince you that your family must agree which one of you will be sacrificed to save the world or everyone's going to die and that 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 is the and it's like and joe is so good about this it's like okay this is what the whole movie's about now the whole movie's about convincing them that that's real and whether or not it is real or not like you know we'll find out later maybe maybe we won't maybe it'll be open-ended i mean and yeah and then in turn like you're trying to convince the audience as well like absolutely yeah that's what's so good about it is that you're trying to like we're in the audience or we're the audience are in like the, the you know the husband's shoes where yeah. we're sitting there like oh this sounds like a bunch of crazy bullshit. The only thing that we've you know that they've got on our side for us is that we know we're watching a movie. So part of yeah. us is like yeah, but it's a movie, so it might just be real, uh, and that's part of the fun. But it's like okay, mm-hmm. am I going to buy? Not that you would convince me, but am I going to buy that you'll convince them? Like if one of them right. actually starts mm-hmm. to believe it, am I going to believe that they believe it? And that's yeah. where the fun really starts to trickle in as long as it's handled well mm. from that point on yeah yeah no, so. a very solid premise like everything i i'm pretty much loving so far mm. and uh yeah there's a lot of fun to be had with that yeah um so you know that that says that and obviously andrew's like what this is nonsense no <laughs> like we're not killing one of us which, oh, which is the natural reaction of course they're all like yeah we're not killing one of us like you kidding me no. but i mean these four people say look we're not going to hurt you because we can't we believe you have to choose between the three of you mm-hmm. which is effectively just two of them because like the, the, they're not going to have the little girl make this choice right obviously yeah <laughs> so it's really just those two and that's why throughout the film from this point on give or take we start getting all these little flashbacks of like you know when they mm-hmm. first like you know i think it was andrew introduced eric to his parents and how awkward that mm-hmm. was because clearly they're homophobic or at the very least they're very uncomfortable with uh yeah the fact that their son's gay <laughs> um when they adopted when uh you know when they were discussing their plan even when they were coming out here to the cabin and the start of the day 
just all mm-hmm. these things and it kind of sets up you know the characters a little bit that that eric is the one who might believe things he's mm-hmm. maybe a little more spiritual he's maybe a little bit more mm-hmm. you know whatever uh whereas andrew we find out was assaulted uh by a homophobe mm-hmm. in a bar and that's actually what provoked him into wanting a gun and like to he wanted mm-hmm. to feel strong he wanted to feel like he'd protect himself so he you know, we see him like training in a gym like kicking a punching bag and then mm-hmm. going and like you know buying a gun and it's like okay i get his outlook in the world so i think the movie's really good at that where it's like <coughs> by the time you've had all these flashbacks like okay i understand this character i understand mm-hmm. why he's determined to fight back and say you know no like this this is all a lie this is bullshit mm-hmm. and you're trying to convince me of something because his entire life as a gay man people have been trying to convince me that something i am is wrong um yeah so you know you like all of it clicks from a character level which is good yeah and, and it all like flows together like really well like there's never like you know like uh, a part where they like are, are doing a flashback and you're like oh, okay like this is boring let's get back to the cabin you know like it's uh yeah it, it all works together really well yeah um so they're like yeah and they don't really give the timeline here necessarily, but they obviously say, like, this is fairly imminent. And that every time they give them, like, you know, the choice to make the decision, right? Every time they say, mm-hmm. will you choose? And they say no, they basically have to murder one of their own four. So mm-hmm. quite quickly, it's uh, Rupert Grint, um, who puts on this white hood thing, um, Guess I mean, the, no no wonder he was like so angry and anxious like if you're the first to go you know yeah well yeah because that's the that's the, the good point actually he's the one who keeps yelling about them wasting time well this is taking too long to explain yeah he's antsy because he knows he's first <laughs> that's, that's the problem here uh yeah and they explain that they've all been having visions and they, that's how they found each other mm-hmm. is that they basically all imagined each other and kind of met mm-hmm. um so which is interesting and, uh, and it is funny, like you said, like, I wonder how specific these visions are because it's like, all right, you have to sacrifice one of yourselves. Okay. It's like, well, can you just like shoot me in the head and get it over with or whatever? But it's like, no, we have to bludgeon you with like these homemade instruments. Like, <laughs> it's like so brutal. And I, and uh, I mean, you know, it's nice for us because, you know, it's a horror movie. So, you know, this is where, you know, some of the, the horror and, you know, it's not like super gory, but I guess it's if most of the gore and stuff is kind of nah, coming from like these bits, but no, nah, basically what you really only see is you see blood coming down this. It's, it's, it's this like when mm. I say white hood, like it's more like a, it's almost like a ski mask without any eye holes, right? So it's like there's yeah. this white mm-hmm. covering on his face. But what that does is that when they bash him in the head, you don't see the bash, but you just see like <laughs> blood trickle down the white. So you know. If you want to really emphasize blood, you have it go down white, you know? Wrestlers, for example, whenever they're going to bleed in a match, they'll wear white mm-hmm. so that the blood really shows. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, um, so, yeah, it, so yeah, it actually... it, But like, you still kind of feel the brutality, even though like you don't really see a lot. But, I mean, just like looking at those weapons <laughs> and stuff is just like... Oof. Yeah, like... Uh, this feels like art from Terrifier designed these things. Like they look <laughs> absolutely monstrous. These weapons, they do. It does though, right? Mm. No, no, no. Yeah, I agree. It's <laughs> absolutely something he would come up with. Mm. Uh, so he he dies, right? And the idea is, is that mm. they they say in their visions that they saw that after each one of us dies, if you don't make the choice, like first it'll be earthquakes, 
Uh, next up, it'll be you know, uh, you know, an, a pandemic, right? Which felt, <laughs> felt like uh, part of the reason why I think this movie maybe was turned into a movie when it was is maybe because of COVID mm-hmm. and the idea that this part sure. may really ring true with the audience. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then, and then the third one was like, uh, you know, God Himself will make the sky fall, and that one's a bit open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. But we do see what that means <laughs> later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but sure enough, he turns on the news. And there's like news of an earthquake that already happened, but then there's an even bigger one that happens uh, just off the the west coast and sort of the, up up towards like Seattle and um, sort of Portland and stuff like that. And this was interesting to me because they show this on the news, and I'm like, okay, I can see how they're going to try and convince them by showing these really bad things happen after each death. But then I thought, mm-hmm. yeah, but like one of these earthquakes already happened, and sure enough, that's what Daddy Andrew. <laughs> argues he's like what the, like this already happened you could have checked the news before mm-hmm. you came here that, that this could just be you using this information to like you know go against us so like there's enough like you know room for mm-hmm. like doubt here you know yeah I, I think that's what um yeah is really interesting about it is like you know the job of the movie is to try to convince them to kill one in, one in, uh you know one of their own but then um you know they, they always come up like with good you know counter uh you know points to you know all right why this might not be fake and why you know we shouldn't do it um which yeah is really interesting yeah um the yeah so i think then they go to bed they're like hey like Mm -hmm. okay you can have till tomorrow now uh this may be the last sunrise we all see together so we'll do that in the morning uh kind of thing Mm -hmm. i'm kind of curious what like why do they have to sacrifice themselves if, if they don't choose like what does that accomplish like if the world is already going to end like can you just be like well i'm not gonna kill myself if like <laughs> yeah I, I don't know i just I wonder what the point of that is <laughs> well i mean at the end of the movie one of the characters realizes that these four are basically the four horsemen of the apocalypse mm-hmm. um which is a nice touch i almost wish they didn't say it though it'd have been nice to, to mm-hmm. sort of realize that's why there's four of them like later mm-hmm. but yeah uh I, I I would guess that they just know deep down they have to. I guess like they're, they're, they're kind of like they're dying so strong. They're dying for the sin of no one being chosen. Mm-hmm. I guess that makes <laughs> if sense. I, yeah, if I was to try do you a know, thing. It um, when the second person dies, which is the younger woman, Adrian, um, mm-hmm. who bonds a little bit with the girl first because she makes her breakfast. Uh, we find out she's got a kid. <laughs> And she really wants to go back and see him again, but she's expecting to die here, all that stuff. Um, and when she goes, uh, it, you know, it's, it's it's quite sad. It's quite dramatic. Um, mm-hmm. They turn on the news again, of course. And then this time, there's a pandemic. There's like, oh, there's a flu outbreak in these three cities, and the ones in like, the UK, ones in uh, northern US, ones in like mm-hmm. I think south of Africa, not South Africa, just south of Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And they're like. Oh, and, you know, and again, Andrew's got a good point. It's like, yeah, this this thing's been building up for weeks. Like, we've been hearing about this in the news. This is not a sudden thing that's yeah. happening. This doesn't prove anything. And if I was to make a guess as to maybe one of the things that you didn't like is that the next time something happens, the next time one of them dies, and which is a bit more dramatic because it's less of a... You know, because that's when the girl gets outside and, like, the you know, Andrew gets free <laughs> and goes for his gun and all that. But when all that happens, when the third person dies which is sabrina mm-hmm. when that happens and they turn on the news 
there's no ambiguity to this one because right. this one is every plane in the sky <laughs> is falling to earth. There, this is not like a coincidence. This like yeah. every single plane in the sky is falling, which did make for a visual. I'll give it that. Like it was obviously oh, like, yeah, yeah. this feels like the apocalypse. I'll give it, I'll give that to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I mean, this is my big gripe with the movie, uh, which I, I mean, again, it, it's not like it made me hate it. It's just I kind of wish maybe they would have done more to keep it feeling like you're unsure of whether this could be real or not. Because, yeah, at this point, you're basically like, oh, like, yeah, this is happening. This is real. And then, yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's just kind of my big thing, because, yeah, I, I just liked it much more in the beginning where. You know, like you're saying, you're having fun being like, okay, they they very much believe this. Uh, how are they going to convince them? And then, like, you know, like we're saying, like, oh, yeah, they'll be like, all right, so here's our reasoning why this is real. And they'll be like, well, actually, here's our reasoning yeah, why it isn't. And then there's still, like, doubts and stuff. And, like, you know, um, you know, I don't really want to get, like, too much into the book right now. But I'll, I'll just say, like, I think the big thing with the book that I, I enjoyed more is you still feel, like, there's you know differences in plot here and there but i think the big overall difference between the book and the movie is by the end of the book you still feel that it kind of could go either way like it's mm. kind of up to, you to, up to you to make the judgment like the book doesn't feel like it picks a side you know like it, like the movie very definitely feels like it, it picks the side and that the side is this is all real yeah i think it's an interesting choice we'll talk about it more when we get to the ending and we'll mm -hmm. compare the like what the different endings kind of mean because i think mm -hmm. there is meaning to get from both of them sure 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 um I think for me it didn't bother me uh, that, that it was definitely real, and I like the mm -hmm. visuals of the planes falling out of the sky. I think that's fair, yeah, yeah. For me though, I think what I, I was expecting it to confirm it was real at some point, probably. Mm -hmm. But I think what I was expecting was something that was a little bit more. What did I put this? A bit more Twelve Angry Men. So mm. the problem with the planes on the news is that it's just like here's evidence, it's definitive, <coughs> it's done. I think mm -hmm. what I was expecting was is that they were going to have to convince them by just talking to them, by just mm -hmm. going through what they saw in their visions, by going through what will happen. And I thought that maybe the kind of the gotcha where, you know, one of them really starts to believe was going to be less about here's definitive proof that you're seeing on TV and more about, oh, like, like something you said compared to something that i know from my life or something that you said earlier mm -hmm. goes together because we were watching 12 angry men like they go through all the crime that they're talking about and then later on someone says something and then someone points out that two of the pieces of evidence kind of contradict each other and it's kind mm -hmm. of like a, oh shit like that that feels like you know as far as like talking about like whether he's innocent or not that felt like a like was well, the opposite of smoking gun i suppose because he didn't kill someone potentially but mm -hmm. you know it feels like it's all in the the back and forth and it's like this realization because all the pieces are put in place mm -hmm. the thing with the tv and like just seeing these things happen on the news and i understand that it shows how big the scope is like even because i do love that as well i love that the fate of the world's been decided in a room like i love that shit where it's like <laughs> it feels like the whole world's affected but it's all just in this room when that's handled mm -hmm. well i really like it but the downside to it is mm -hmm. is that when you can just turn on the tv and see the proof on the screen mm -hmm. at a certain point it does just kind of feel like not a deus ex machina but like it, like it can just be like here it is there's no yeah. uh 
intrigue or build up like because the first two times they turn on the tv there's legitimate arguments against why it doesn't mean anything why it's just mm-hmm. a coincidence why it's just no this was already happening this flu's already been spreading for weeks these mm-hmm. things natural responses but the planes falling out the sky i completely understand that because it is just no here it's happening and there's really no disputing that like because at that point it's like well now it's less about do we believe them and more about like oh can we do this horrible thing can we make this horrible decision as opposed to Mm -hmm. but i suppose it was always going to have to get to that point at some point but Mm. yeah Uh, maybe it would have been more interesting if one of them really believed and the other one really didn't and obviously eric Mm -hmm. starts to believe first but i wouldn't say there's like a you know, it never really becomes like a conflict between them. It's more just he gives a speech, and then Andrew, by the end of the speech, you know, starts to kind of well, it's over a couple of scenes, I suppose. But I, I, I forget was it uh, was it Eric that got the concussion? Or yes. <clears throat> so I, I like what they do, like when um, yeah, you know, like when one of the people like sacrifices themselves, he kind of sees this like this like glowing light, which. You know, you could kind of interpret as like some type of godly angelic presence or something, or yeah, you could just be like, oh well, he has a concussion, <laughs> you know, like so. Obviously, he might be seeing things, but that's like another nice little uh, like trick they pull. I thought it was clever. Yeah, and that's one of the things that makes him think that maybe this is all real. Maybe I saw something, mm-hmm. and now I believe that they saw something, and therefore mm-hmm. there's some truth to this. Which mm-hmm. okay, that, I mean that kind of works. Um, but uh for for me like you know like it, it ultimately by the time it's just batista left he kind of just you know like they lock him in a room for a bit but then they go back to get him and they end up just having him sit there and he's like kind of i mean he's at the end of the scene he slits his own throat because he's the last mm-hmm. sacrifice but he, he says that they still have a bit of time if they're going to do it they, they make this decision mm-hmm. and kill one of them but he gives this speech and he talks about how you know, he's doing this because, you know, I guide these kids. You know, I have this responsibility. The, the kids that, of the age I teach, they'll believe anything you say to them. So you have to kind of really, like, you know, be careful. You have to treat that with the responsibility that it deserves. And, you know, I thought that tied into the themes of the movie as well. You know, this idea that this whole movie's been about trying to convince someone of something, and he's used to talking to people who'll just believe anything he tells them because they're young <laughs> kids. Yeah. um you know i thought that was an interesting little like uh counter to that and um just a little thematic device but when he kills himself and we get to this part at the end of the movie eric is convinced and andrew is convinced as well but andrew has said multiple times that even if i believed you i'd rather the world end than kill one of us right that's just how he sure. feels yeah and I, I get that. That makes sense. That is a completely understandable and believable response from someone. Especially like, you know, like you were saying through the flashbacks and stuff, you see how much, you know, they've had to put up with their whole life and how much like, you know, mm. discrimination and stuff they had to fight. So it's kind of like, yeah, like, you know, screw this world. Like, you know, like this is just like one more person that's like discriminating against us. Like you're telling me that like, you know after all we've been through and we still have to sacrifice for this world that hates us like totally reasonable to be like no <laughs> i don't want to do that yeah um it, it gives you compelling reasons why he shouldn't want to even bother saving the world mm-hmm. and i think part of the the message of the movie's version of how the ending all plays out is the mm-hmm. idea that 
of making this sacrifice to save the world is this truly kind of like heroic mm-hmm. thing that is selfless that you have to give up something you love to to save the world and that someone who has a right to hate a lot of the world because of how he's been treated the fact that he even he will go through with this is mm-hmm. supposed to be like you know that 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 makes him ultimately like really good at heart you know that that's like yeah. that's that's being mm-hmm. so good that you're willing to do this in the face of this mon- monumental mm-hmm monstrous task that you've been placed with you're s tier human <laughs> if you want to put it that way yes um because <laughs> that's the thing eric's convincing him that you know to kill him he's like no kill me mm-hmm. because i i believe this completely and i i'm i'm thinking of happy thoughts i want to die thinking mm-hmm. these happy thoughts so do it mm-hmm. and you know the camera cuts away and you hear the gunshot but andrew doesn't want to do it you know he has to be talked into it at, at the very end andrew's like no do me do it like i'll mm-hmm. i'll be the one who dies and it's almost like because he's at peace with it, he wants Andrew to grow with his, with his daughter. And in fact, Eric even says that he, he's now had a vision of older Andrew with their grown-up daughter. And we see like a little, a little flash forward of like them um, in the future with her as an adult woman. And he's got some grey in his beard. And it's all this kind of sweet, oh, the potential future that could be. Um, like this idea that someone who has been you know picked on by society who's had his life made more difficult than it needed to be he's been attacked he's been made to feel scared his own parents you know don't want to like spend time with him all these Mm. things but ultimately still at the end he's willing to save everyone and that's kind of like the the uplifting part of the the ending in the story (laughs) and you know sure enough the movie confirms it where you know he takes when out to, you know because they they walk down the road they find uh it's, it's redmond's car and there's a whole bit of redmond we need to talk about we'll go back and talk about that yeah. uh but they drive to like you know a local <coughs> diner and the news is on and it's basically saying yeah that's plane problems like been fixed like you know uh some planes are starting to land safely uh the flu's picking up the hurricane tragedies have all kind of calmed down um there's even a nurse in scotland being interviewed as part of the the, the plague stuff for some reason uh it was it was weird that they were watching bbc world and i, I just i heard a scottish accent just sort of creep in um but it's like oh you you did save the world and mm-hmm. I, there's a little moment after this where he goes back out to the car before they drive off for the ending where he looks into the bags that were in the car and it's like all the ids and stuff or, or not even ids but just like stuff that belonged to these people and it was like you know a picture of adrian with her son it was a it was a picture of, you know uh, sabrina the black woman she was a nurse and there was like her nurse's badge was there um and there was a photo of like uh batista with his with his class or whatever you know it was it was all these things that showed like who they were in life and it was almost like yeah they they all gave this sacrifice too it was almost like this acknowledgement mm. silently that oh they all did this for very good reasons even if it didn't feel like it in the time um yeah. so you know, I, I think all that stuff's quite interesting. Um, I, I think it it's an interesting ending to me that I do get some meaning out of. And when I looked up how the book ended and saw how different <laughs> it was, I'm like, damn, that completely changes how you would read the whole thing, to be honest. I mean, but like you Absolutely. say, one of the things that it it does keep that the movie doesn't is that sense of ambiguity mm. of, is this real or, or isn't it? Um, mm. So why don't you tell everyone the, the major difference from the book? Uh, yeah, so basically, well, uh, 
earlier on in the book, uh, there's uh, a big part where, um, you, you know, because uh, like you said, there's this Chekhov's gun thing. Uh, so at one point in the, in the book, I, I think they're kind of like fighting for the gun and it accidentally goes off. I forget like who's holding it or whatever, but it basically goes off and it kills when. Uh, which is so. So the, the little girl dies in the book. Okay, so yeah, so very extreme. So, so it's very sad. Uh, but then there's also a part where, you know, the the guy's like, "All right, well, there's your sacrifice." And then, um, yeah, I forget like who's left at that point. If it's just Leonard or if um, one of the other people are there. But they're basically like, "No, that doesn't count." Uh, yes, she died, but it wasn't a willing sacrifice. It was an accident. So you still have to, you know, decide if one of you. You know, you still have to pick one of you to die, uh, and they basically decide like, no, screw it. Uh, you know, we don't want to <laughs> do that, and they kind of just like, basically, they're, they're kind of just like, well, the world might. We don't know if the world's gonna end, but let's just kind of face it together, and then like that's pretty much the yeah. End. Which is so also it, which is also a very mm -hmm. sweet ending, but it's just very sweet in a different mm -hmm. way because mm -hmm. with that ending, it reads like. No, together we are better, and we can fight anything together, even if it is the apocalypse. And obviously, yeah. it ends with ambiguity as to whether or not it is literally going to be an apocalypse, mm. or if it is just all been a lie. But that idea that oh no, we can tackle whatever together, no matter what. Whereas the movie mm. does this thing where it sort of does turn it into this moment of uh, heroism, where he's yeah. like, you know, despite all the bad things that we've had to go through, I'm going to save everyone anyway, um, because it's the right thing to do. So it's a very different, like, like obviously it's a very similar premise, but the endings completely change, like, what meaning mm. I would take from what it's saying. Yeah. Now, I, I really do enjoy the book quite a bit. I, I think it's, um, it's not super long. It's like a pretty fast read. It's um, by Paul Tremblay, who <coughs> is a um, really good uh, author. I, I like him quite a bit. But um, to be fair, I, I totally understand why they, they would change this for the movies, like, I, I can't like I imagine mainstream audiences would have hated like if they, you know, were more close to the the book. Like I feel like, yeah, they would have not have liked that as much. Yeah, um, I don't think it would have went there. I mean, I may have liked it, but I don't know. Yeah, like I, I'm sure like people like like people like us probably, yeah, wouldn't have minded it. But um, I, I feel like I, I think we kind of talked about this before, but like uh, like I, I I hate this thing today where like. And, you know, I, I don't want to lump, you know, this movie into it. Like, I don't think this is necessarily, like, part of it. But um, there is, like, a need for people to constantly have things, like, every little thing, like, answered and spoon-fed to them. And, like, you know, people really don't like, uh, you know, when, when stuff is kind of left up to ambiguity. You know, I feel like the, that's why, like, you know, we get, like, so many, like, prequels that we don't need where it's like, oh, like, we're going to explain how, you know, this guy got his famous red tie. But, like, no, like, we don't need to know that. Like, um so yeah, I, I feel like uh, yeah, people would, would not like that. Yeah, I mean, that's there's smart ways to do it where you basically tell the audience without spelling it out. And that's why I was saying mm -hmm. I really like that moment after <coughs> the diner when he looks in the car and sees all the personal items because it was kind of like, mm -hmm. it was like after death, now because he's seen what they've accomplished, he's looking at these items and sort of seeing them mm -hmm. for the people they actually were as opposed to just this, you know, because the whole movie, they're just this group of home invaders that are threatening yeah. his family and making him do something awful but like after the fact he's like no they really believed this and he actually believes that they they you know that they were right and that this was going mm -hmm. to happen so 
it's moments like that that are visual where you get it without them having to say it without him having mm. to you know because you know a lesser script might have had him turn to his daughter and explain it all because she'd be like wait dad were those mm-hmm. people evil and he's like no when this is <laughs> this is what they were and then you know explains it so i'm mm-hmm. glad they didn't do that Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, I guess they kind of had that whole like we can tackle things together thing a little bit at the end, but just mm-hmm. instead of the couple, it's him and his daughter, where mm-hmm. uh, their like song that's in the flashback that they really like starts playing on the radio, mm-hmm. and he turns it off, and they just sit, they just sit there quietly, they're not even moving the car, they're just sitting in the car park, and then the daughter mm-hmm. turns it on, and it plays for like a good fifteen twenty seconds before she's basically realizes yeah okay i won't try and force it and she and she goes and turns it off again and then mm-hmm. the silence for a few seconds and i'm like he's going to turn it back on he's he's going yeah. to he's going to communicate back to her that no no no, we should still have hope in our lives so he turns yeah. it back on and so it does kind of have that like we can tackle the world together no matter what mm-hmm. um with her but it's it's now with his daughter rather than with his with his partner which you know it, yeah. it's also a fine message like they're both you know got their moments I, I guess you could look at the movies as being the, the quote-unquote <laughs> dumbed down one because it mm-hmm. took out the death of the daughter which makes it feel like it's you know uh, more sanitized i guess and it sure. specifically said no this was real this happened mm-hmm. they saved the world like mm-hmm. and i i think there's an argument to say no it would have been better if we never knew if it was real or not but we just mm-hmm. got to the point where it was enough to believe that at least one of these characters believed it but yeah. you know, I, like I think mm. as it is there, I still enjoyed the ride, and I still enjoyed kind of like see everything play out. And it's like ninety five minutes. Mm. It's not like it's very tightly paced. It does not waste time. Yeah, especially in in this era where everything I feel like you know everything is so bloated. It's nice to you know have a movie that's not afraid to you know be a little quicker in its pacing. Uh, and then and yeah, just, like just to clarify, like the you know kind of making this choice it like it didn't make me hate the movie it's just it kind of made me just be more like oh well i kind of like the the other way better and i maybe i wonder what it might have been like but um yeah it, it wasn't enough of like a a choice to yeah make me go like oh this sucks or like oh screw this or anything it's like yeah. oh, I, I still think it works for the movie you know that they're presenting and yeah it's still enjoyable but yeah it's just a yeah you know, something that yeah <laughs> i had to think about um man though you gotta i i do wonder though like if he ever you know just like because i i know if this was me i would constantly be in my head being like ah oh, crap if i just would have believed a little bit sooner i probably could have saved um what a couple million, million people <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> but i mean i don't necessarily blame them for needing to be convinced <laughs> for... no i mean that's that's very especially like the you know the first person is gonna have to kill themselves because at the very least they're gonna need to see like at least one tragedy yeah. before you know they're convinced. Like it would be very strange if right from the get go they're like, "All right, we believe you." Like, oh, you had some visions, okay? Like, yeah. It, but um, Rupert Grint, in many ways, his character is the most deserving because so mm-hmm. it turns out um, after he's de- dead <coughs> that uh, Andrew realizes that this is the guy that attacked him in a bar mm. a few years ago right it was before they got when so it must have been at least a few years um, yeah. when she was adopted though so it didn't need to be before her birth I suppose but you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, and I think they handled this perfectly because I think mm-hmm. if they showed me this flashback before they had him remember 
I would have probably rolled my eyes and said, oh, this is like a, like a, you know, oh, look at this connection in their past kind of thing. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. But because they have him remember it and go, wait a minute, I think that's the guy that attacked me. Mm-hmm. Because they do that first, and it comes up naturally where he kind of like, no, I think it was him. When they show that flashback later, um, mm-hmm. I didn't roll my eyes when I saw him. I thought, oh, no, now we're seeing how this happened. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe the reason why he was picked is because he has a personal connection to him. Because mm-hmm. later on, when he's doing the whole, like, oh, you know, we've, I've realized that they're the four horsemen of the apocalypse, it says they represent the four key pillars of humanity, which I don't know where these four key pillars come from, but he's like, <laughs> uh, you know, Redmond, Rupert Grint's character, represents malice, um, mm-hmm. uh, the nurse's healing, uh, Sabrina, uh, the mother's nurture, and the Leonard is... Uh, was it uh, wasn't knowledge but it was like uh, like teaching knowledge or something I don't know it was, it was, yeah, I, I remember the exact word that was used but yeah it was along those lines it was passing on knowledge and you know uh, maybe, maybe, maybe no 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 anyway but regardless <laughs> I, I, th- I thought maybe okay this feels like it's the moment at the end of the M. Night Shyamalan movie where the twist is like being revealed and they're doing mm-hmm. that kind of montage he's saying all these things, but it's not really a mm-hmm. twist because it's like, oh, no, no, this is all more or less like what has been building up to. It's fine. But um, mm-hmm. it, it did occur to me that it, it was directed like it was a twist moment. And I thought that yeah. was interesting that he was kind of having that, even though, you know, it, it isn't quite exactly a twist in the same way. Yeah, no, I could be wrong, but I, I do believe in the book that was another thing where you never really find out if, he was actually the person that attacked him or not. Okay. Um, I, I could be wrong. It, it's been a while since I read it, but, um, but yeah, I think that's like another example of it. Yeah. Being a little more ambiguous, uh, than, than the movie, but, um, but I mean, it, you know, it's a, it's a small thing. Like it's not really a big bother. Um, like you're saying that I, I like how, like they do, like when they do the flashback and stuff, I like that you never actually see like, Rupert Grant, like, you know, it's his voice and stuff. And like, you know, you see a man like attacking with a beer bottle, but it's always like, you know, he's, he's out of frame or you see the back of him. So you don't really, you know, you're still kind of like wondering like, oh, was that exactly him or not? Yeah. Yeah. And I liked um, when this comes up, when he's like, hey, that's the guy that attacked me. Redmond's not his real name. His name's actually mm-hmm. something else. And he says, go get his driver's license out of his pocket or whatever. And I'll prove that that's who he is. And Leonard says, no, I'm not going to do that. And I actually thought that was a really interesting point because I was like, hmm, you know, if Andrew is going to, like, argue that they're full of shit, the idea that Leonard doesn't want to go find this easy-to-find evidence, that, you know, this would just Mm -hmm. prove... It it wouldn't necessarily disprove anything else they're saying, but if it proves Andrew's right about this, then it maybe gives them leeway to, like, start doubting other things. And it's like, oh, is your belief in what you're doing like fragile and i think as the movie goes on you don't think it is but it for the moment i was like oh this is maybe him starting to actually poke holes in the whole thing like maybe maybe you you are in an echo chamber maybe you don't like mm. seeing evidence that actually proves what you're not because i think that's one of the interesting things is that when they mention that they had all these visions they found each other on a message board and that's when andrew pipes in and says oh wait you found each other on a message board so you, you mm-hmm. four extremists found other weirdos that are just like you and like convinced <laughs> each other that this is like the end of the world and you have to do this. This sounds like an echo chamber. It sounds like yeah, you know, anything like that. St- stories we've been hearing about like for the last like you know what three four years or whatever. I, I think that's you know one of the reasons mm-hmm. why the movie works as well is that like a lot of this does feel kind of oddly relevant to our time. Like mm-hmm. 
this idea of mm. but obviously the twist here being because it's a movie is that these people do seem like other than Rupert Grint's character who's a homophobe but the other three all feel like they're decent people who have just mm-hmm. you know they believe this is a thing that's happening um, mm. and I think when Andrew's like sort of trying to say hey no no like he's a homophobe um, this woman's very religious uh, talking about the nurse who talks about having like a religious upbringing um, I, I can't remember what he says about Adrienne something about I don't know uh like you know but he basically frames who they all are in a way that this is why they're extra- attracted to an extremist group or something like that you know, he's trying to like sort of like this is why you're all attracted to this thing and you've convinced yourselves to come and kill a bunch you know a couple of gay guys to like save the world and yeah. obviously the interesting part of the movie is them being like no we didn't even know that we don't care like this is just like <laughs> we believe devoutly that you have to do this otherwise yeah. we're all dead um so yeah you know and i think all of this works as well as it does because of those performances because of batista mm. coming across like he believes every word of what he's saying um mm. you mentioned the gun thing in the book the, the gun thing does more or less happen obviously when doesn't get mm. shot but there is the whole scene where uh you know andrew like hobbles out to the if i yeah. i love this actually when he gets out of his restraints and he cuts the rope i mm. really appreciated that he had jelly legs because this is like the morning after they've been tied <laughs> up all night so yeah he would have jelly legs he wouldn't be able yeah. to just walk normally so he gets to the car and he's looking for the gun and sabrina comes out and sabrina doesn't really want to hurt him too bad because she's not wanting mm-hmm. she doesn't want to kill him but she's kind of right. just slowly stabs him with the crowbar <laughs> and he says like hey stop this right now mister and then he, has, <laughs> then he gets his gun out and you know uh she eventually gets shot and that ends up being the last well not the last but the the third sacrifice of the of the horseman characters. I just wanted to mention it because it was a big thing to gloss over. Um, and, and it's kind of funny that, like, we, you know, we did go over, like, uh, kind of gloss over it or, you know, neglect to mention it because, not not that it's, you know, uh, not an entertaining bit. It, it was, but um, it just goes to show you, like, you know, the real meat and potatoes of the movie is the, you know, the conversations, the trying to convince. Yeah, the uh, ideas. Yeah. yeah, like the, like, there is still you know actually bits here and there like that but uh w- w- you know which I, I do like but um yeah that's just kind of funny um good stuff yeah yeah no I, if, I, if anything it's even a, it's almost a little darkly funny the way that she's kind of slowly stabbing him because it's just this very slow yeah. press into his side yeah. she's just trying to convince him to stop doing what he's doing which it, it's kind of funny because like you know i mean watch so many horror movies you see so many stabbings but like it almost makes it worse than it is like a very timid kind of slow stab versus like mm. you know the, the kind of the, that fast repeated stabbing like we're, we're used to that um <laughs> yeah i don't know something about well, it made it seem a little more intense maybe that's part of the horror of this movie it's like yeah it's right. very easy to say the villain's this vicious serial killer who's going to stab you 20 times Mm-hmm. But this movie presents villains, you know, and it's debatable at the end if they are villains, of course. Uh, they're kind of yeah. not. But the idea that villains in the real world are the ones who present themselves as not villains. They're the ones mm-hmm. that don't even do it because they want to, but because they believe they have to for whatever their reasons are. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's because, oh, they believe that the people in power have to stay in power, so they're going to put down mm-hmm. the poor or, or whatever it may be. You know, that's just a broad example. But it's the idea that a villain's anyone who believes something that's going to, like, who who basically insists upon ruining your life to achieve mm. what their goal is, regardless of what their 
reasons are or what their background is or whatever so it's kind of like a villain can be anyone around you and not just a guy in a hockey mask with a machete <laughs> I, you know that's kind of like i mean where the horror comes from i mean yeah it doesn't really say it but essentially the villain is god like oh yeah god's a dick <laughs> he's like he's the jigsaw of this you know this this movie um well, but, it kind of is. Going back to that opening where like, the girl's like, hey, like, I'm not going to hurt any of you grasshoppers. I'm just going to mm-hmm. keep you in a cage and like examine you for a bit and see what happens. Like, mm. yeah, like why Why is this what's happening? Why are these the rules of the apocalypse? <laughs> why does a yeah. family have to sacrifice themselves? Like, yeah, if this is a, like a religious thing, like, yeah, God's just a complete asshole. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's funny though. It does like make it pretty unique. I, I feel like among horror movies, like I, I'm sure... There's probably other examples like we can think of, but like off the top of my head, I was trying to think if you have, you know, like any other horror movie where, you know, the villains aren't actively like, you know, trying Evil. to be villainous or, you know, or like even, or even the fact that like they, they don't actually, you know, kill anyone. Like they're trying to make you, you know, kill yourselves and stuff like. Well, they killed their own um, group, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's maybe some other examples you can think of uh but or even just the um, idea that a villain who like believes that they're doing the right thing even if what they're doing is horrific right yeah yeah, yeah like it, it's not like you know freddy or jason like has this like big ulterior motive, <laughs> like with like well actually i i'm doing this to nah. save whatever yeah jason's doing everything he's doing because he's really into climate change because his lake has become so <laughs> polluting so he's he's uh, he's yeah. protesting uh climate change <laughs> Jason Voorhees nice. for Green Energy 2024. <laughs> I think it's a really interesting film, and I think mm. much like Cold, it left me enjoying the cinematography, enjoying how the scenes mm. are directed, and much like Cold as well, it's not perfect. There's definitely things about the mm. ending that feel a bit too neat that I wish... Mm. You know, the ending does feel kind of almost safe in a way, where I'm like, oh, you could have mm. been a little ballsier here with this. But, and I, you know, the ending at Old was probably the weakest part of that as well, but I think mm-hmm. the conversations that we get to have about just the ideas and, you know, for me, like, yeah, obviously it's easy to say, okay, we can call these four characters the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We can say mm-hmm. that this is God doing this. But it doesn't, it doesn't despite all these pre- the, the, the premise, it doesn't get super religious or biblical in nature. Sure, it, sure. it kind of leaves it very open to your own interpretation of, like, what is actually yeah. causing this? You know, what are you, is this just aliens beaming this down into their heads because they're the <laughs> ones that are causing everything? I don't know. Mm. But it's not really the important part of the conversation. The, it's mm. not a movie about religious belief. It's a movie about just believing in something and try to convince someone else that that's mm. the thing that's going on. Um, so, And maybe you could even read the ending as a negative in the sense that because mm. they did convince them of this, uh, maybe none of it, mm. you know, like, maybe this idea, like, to live in this world, you have to become as crazy as everyone around you who's saying that you have to be this way. <laughs> and maybe that's the sad yeah. part of the ending, uh, if you want to look at it negatively. But, I mean, I don't know. I I think it's an interesting premise. I think it breeds a lot of discussion, and the performances are all good, and I think the direction's good. So, despite any, like, toothless ending like mm-hmm. elements I might mention, I think I mostly had a good time with it, and, you know, it went in quite quick. No, yeah, I agree, and it's um, I think interesting. Like, yeah, it's a great way to describe this kind of you know Shyamalan uh, renaissance we've had in the last I don't know what like 
five six ish years or whatever uh yeah splice uh not splice sorry split <laughs> yeah splice is a different film uh split glass was a bit of a misstep but i you know i, mm. I, I think that was just kind of the movie had to be lower budget than it yeah. should have been and it kind of hurt it but i think yeah split old and knock at the cabin none of them are anywhere nearly as good as unbreakable six cents or even signs mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they're all interesting worth watching movies yeah. i think especially like you know coming after you know a, a time where he was like he became a punchline and you know a oh, joke yeah. like he was like kind of like oh he went from being like this you know like oh like is he gonna be the next like um you know like it director or, or whatever and uh not like to you know not like pennywise the movie it but like you know the, the like the hot new thing to yeah, the... yeah it kind of became like a joke that like you know his movies were like mocked and laughably bad and it's really cool to see him have this like comeback where yeah like you said like the movies haven't been perfect but they've all been like interesting and worthy of discussion which uh, i think is really cool yeah he was taking more hits than your mother on halloween tim for a time there <laughs> What what does that mean? I don't know what that <laughs> means. <laughs> I mean, like, I I'm, I'm imagining like my mom dressed up as a punching bag for Halloween or something like that. Like uh, like okay, that would I mean, make sense. But I th- I think it, I think how it was it was supposed to be slightly sexual, but I couldn't quite find the right <laughs> the right the way of phrasing it. Yeah. All right, well. <laughs> I appreciate the effort. I mean, <laughs> much like you know these Shyamalan movies, it was an interesting <laughs> insult. <laughs> if it didn't all completely work, because uh, you don't want to take it too far. You know, like, you, you need to find that, that, oh, yeah, that balance. Yeah, you don't want to be too real. <laughs> <laughs> too real. <laughs> <laughs> like if you, like if you, oh, I'm not even gonna go there. <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> Uh, let's not discuss what Tim's mother does in Halloween, everyone. So, yeah. it's, it's scary stuff. Uh, so that that is, yeah. There you go. I, I guess we're we're ready to rate. Uh, mm-hmm. Knock at the the cabin if you would like to mm-hmm. uh, uh, give your in Tim. Um, no, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a uh, you know again a really solid film. Uh, you know, uh, this was the second time I watched. Cause I, I watched it early at the at the start of the year um and uh and you know some and, and i liked it then and then but you know you never know sometimes uh is it gonna be boring now that i know what's going on uh, I, it still was a a, a good uh watch and yeah, there's a lot of stuff to appreciate about it you know the cinematography is great the the cast is really good the performances are great it brings this really um interesting unique thought-provoking premise um uh music's not bad i, I don't know if i wouldn't say necessarily like stood out like there's like a memorable track i was like oh i have to download this or anything but um but i, I you know i think it fit the movie well um again like yeah the the, the just maybe some of the the choices and the latter half of the movie um again not bad it, it worked for the movie that we're watching but um i don't know I, i'm sorry i just can't help but you know wonder if um maybe you know if they're a little different or whatever but um no still a, a solid flick and uh i think i'll give it out of 10 <laughs> that was seven if, if you aren't keeping yeah. count yeah i i was also too going to go with a seven um mm. i knew what you were doing but i still refused to keep count for the 
I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not luring myself to his games. Uh, but yes, uh, 7 out of 10 for me. I think it's a good movie. Not a great movie. Definitely some things to, to talk about. Like I say, just an mm. ending that's a bit, just a bit more provoking, I guess. It's, it, it was really what I was looking for. I would have been cool with it being completely ambiguous if they really wanted to go that route. I didn't mm. mind them not making it ambiguous, but uh, I think there was maybe a way to do it that was not quite just you know like turn on the tv and there it is because you know which by yeah. the way like mm-hmm. we never mentioned this but the the big earthquake that happens causes a tidal wave and there's this like so on mm-hmm. the news there's this big effect shot of this tidal wave coming towards the beach uh mm-hmm. and somewhere somewhere in the the west coast which yeah so it was, it was a cool visual but i kept wondering like well, how did they get that footage <laughs> i imagine someone's just filming it on their phone but like at some point they're gonna get washed away it does cut away, I think, before the war. Maybe it doesn't. I can't remember. Uh, but regardless, uh, it, actually, what's really interesting about it is that it does make me think a little bit, uh, when I'm thinking of that scene particularly, about the abyss. Uh, I won't get into it as why. It's, it's not the same premise by any means, but there's definitely mm. a little bit of comparison to be made. Uh, with one element here, and I, I do think it's interesting mm. to think about that. I'd love to watch The Abyss again if they could finally release a version that isn't like 240p, you bastards. <laughs> Come on now, where's my where's my 4K The Abyss? I want it. Mm. I need it. Yeah. Yeah, and give us Congo too while you're at it. <laughs> Why is that not on Blu-ray? <laughs> it's on HD though. I'm pretty sure I watched it in HD. Mm. I want it on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably got a Blu-ray in other parts of the world, Tim. Yeah, well, I don't live in other parts of the world, okay? <laughs> I'm uh, not going up to Canada and getting it for Thanksgiving on October 5th or whatever. <laughs> Congo Blu-ray! It's on Blu-ray in Australia. <laughs> oh, good day, mate. For sure. Oh, it's got a US Blu-ray. What are you talking about? <laughs> Warner Brothers came out in September 16, 2014. It's been out for nine years. Nine years. And you sit here and you mock me with the abyss doesn't even have an anamorphic DVD. Never mind a Blu-ray. Never mind a 4K version. Congo's been sitting there in 1080p for nine years, Tim. I, I swear I've searched for it before and I haven't, did not see it. There's an Amazon well, link. Did, you didn't look very far, right. Tim. It's on Amazon. <laughs> was it a steelbook? Because I only collect steelbooks <laughs> now, so. No, it wasn't a steelbook. All right, well, <laughs> give us a steelbook, damn it. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it's a bit late on the extras, but the movie mm. exists in high quality, so don't give me it. Jesus. Mm. Uh, <laughs> oh dear oh dear um all right there's a let's knock at the cabin interesting film mm. interesting film i enjoyed my time with it nice glad you enjoyed it always nice when uh to see you have a good time thank you Tommy. no i know some people like to watch you suffer but not me i think we're, we're friends I like to i prefer mm. it when when you enjoy the movies I'm glad I like it when you enjoy the movies too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if we are going to suffer, I'm glad that we get to suffer together at least. That's something. Yeah, it, it's it. Yeah, it's not as bad when you watch a bad movie with like when you have someone else to talk about it. Yeah. The worst is watching a bad movie that no one else has seen, and you're just like, ah, you shouldn't watch it, but I need someone to talk about it with. Yep, yep. So there you go. 
Uh, October's going swimmingly, apparently. I don't know. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so, welcome everyone uh, to Octoberthon. Uh, this is the second one, probably, that goes out, because we, we did Renfield already, so this is probably episode two. But, mm. uh, yes, hopefully you're enjoying your October. Uh, there'll be more to come. What movies exactly, we're not sure yet. We're going to fit in as many as we can. Some new releases, some from mm. earlier in the year, and maybe a couple of oddball picks from somewhere in the the depths. The depths mm. of horror. Tee <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> you can support all the content and get bonus stuff over at patreon.com slash TV. In fact, our first bonus episode in a year should be out this month. So uh, go, go check out that. We don't know what we're doing for it yet, but I'm sure, it's, I'm sure it'll be very good, whatever mm. it is. Uh, so <laughs> go check out that um, and help support all the content but of course if you gotta do that then just you know, hit the like button on YouTube it helps us out a lot more people will find the channel more people will find the reviews and uh, the bigger audience grows the, the more of this we can do so uh, go and uh, go and have a look next time you're uh, you know you go to the movies and you go to the bathroom just write in the stall like our, our YouTube handle <laughs> say for a good time watch <laughs> I think the sort of creeps who are going to like follow that advice are not going to be looking for what they're going to find when they click <laughs> on our YouTube tab. Just get a feeling. But anyway, mm. that's the show, everyone. That's been Screams After Midnight. I keep enjoying October. That's my uh, that's my parody movie. Knock out a bathroom. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> we'll see you next time, guys. Keep mm. watching scary movies. Goodbye and happy. Octoberthon.